Welcome to Unabashed You. I'm Rochelle, your guide. The current series is Men in May. That's right, we're going to enjoy a conversation with a different man each week this month. As Pat coined it, it's Unabashed You from the men's point of view. Enjoy, and as ever, thanks for listening. I am pleased about the topic this week's guests wanted to discuss, mental health. The stigma, awareness, and the importance of having conversations about it be normalized to be like any other part of our health. Walking us through this is Libni. His knowledge, experience, and advocacy move me deeply. I agree with everything he said. Plus, I asked a lot of questions to capture some of his insights. He has a special heart for women of color as they navigate the system that typically underserves them. I feel more enlightened after what I learned from Libni. I imagine you will too. It has been an immense pleasure to have men on the show. Each man, like each woman, brings a part of themselves in their insight, their story, their experiences, something we can all learn from. Today's guest is no exception, Libni. Yes, it is a unique name, and Libni is a unique individual. I thought of asking him on the show as he is bright, compassionate, knowledgeable, and a strong advocate for those who need advocating. Plus, he has the best smile. It will be a treat to have this conversation. Welcome, Libni. Thank you for having me, Rochelle. Thank you for the kind words. You're so welcome. They're just so easy with you. So easy. All right. We're going to spend just a couple minutes getting to know you. Just to start off, what, what do you want your listeners to know, our listeners to know, just to kind of get started, if there is anything you want them to know? I am living in Ohio. I am originally from Mexico, but I grew up mostly in San Diego, lived my childhood in Tijuana, just over the border, and I now transitioned to Ohio, been here for four years, and I'm very happy. That's a big change. That is one big change. All right. What three words would you use to describe yourself, Libni? I mean, I use quite a few to describe (laughs) you, but how would you describe yourself? I have to think about this. And I, the three that I chose were passionate, direct, and silly, because I love flapping. Oh, yes. <laughs> Passionate, direct, and silly. That's perfect. I didn't even mention your, your fun side. Yes, I, I can see all of those in you, definitely. And I love that you see yourself that way and that you don't forget the, the whimsy that we call it on the show, you know, that fun, playful side. That's so important. All right. Now, this is going to be tricky. Two truths and a lie. So you're going to make three statements about yourself. And then I'm going to have to take a wild guess at which one is the lie. <laughs> I had quite a lot of fun thinking of this. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> so two truths and a lie. So one, I own over 25 musical cast albums. Two. 
I've been in 10 car accidents, none of which have been my fault. Three, I've camped 18 hours to be one of the first customers for the grand opening of Boating Sourdough Bread store in San Diego. Oh, these are all over the map. <laughs> okay. Um, sourdough, 18 hours. The middle one was 10 car accidents, not your fault. Mm-hmm. And the first one was 25 musical cast albums. You know, here is the tricky thing about the way you've gone is that really the numbers could just be off. Like maybe they're all true, but one of the numbers is wrong, but I still have to take a stab mm-hmm. at it. Yes. Oh gosh, gosh, gosh. <laughs> oh. Um, okay. I am going to go with the the sourdough, waiting that many hours for sourdough. Are you sure about that one? Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> not at all. Actually, it was the 25 musical cast albums. Oh, that was my gut. You know how you like you second guess your gut and they tell you to go with your gut. And then yes. you're like, oh, but I don't know. I don't know. Okay. How many? Okay. Let me, let's go through these. How many musical cast albums do you own? Zero. Zero. <laughs> I do not like musicals. <gasps> oh I my know. gosh. I, I mean, not even Hamilton. Ah. Uh, you know, I I did like Hamilton. The only difficulty in is that I'm I'm hard of hearing, and so I I was not able to get um, their hearing um, devices that I typically go to, and so it was okay. really hard for me to listen to the music. Um, my my husband Will he loves musicals, and so he had the <laughs> you know he had the I think the 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 cast album for that one, and he had already heard all the songs, and so he knew the entire production and I have no clue. And so I got lost. Um, but afterwards um, I listened to them again and it, it made more sense, but I, I'm just not, you know, and the th- funny thing with shows that we have season tickets to the playhouse here and we had season tickets in San Diego for the playhouse in La Jolla. And <laughs> I support him because he loves them. I just, I'm not, you know, I, I now my incentive to going is because we usually get a really nice dinner. Right yes. <laughs> yeah, you go out for a nice dinner. That is so true. You make an evening of it and you're doing that for him, which is very loving and very sweet. Now, I did not know that about you, that you did not, you not care for musicals. Okay. Good to know. Now, 10 car accidents and they were not your fault. No, I just had the really unfortunate luck. Um, with my previous car, I think from the first day that I got in, and I think it was like the first month I got into a, somebody uh, sideswiped me. And then the, a few months later, while leaving San Diego State, a student hit me from, from yeah. at a stoplight while texting. And oh. um, there's, there's many, I have a, a journal that I kept of all the accidents because it, it seemed like I think I could include in the two tools in the line because it's so unusual. <laughs> okay. Did you say you waited 18 hours to be the first in line for the sourdough? Yes. So I was oh one of gosh. the first 50 
customers at the grand opening of the Bodine Sourdough uh, bread store in San Diego. And so they announced it that if you were one of the first 50, I think it was first 50 or first 100, you get a, a year supply of sourdough. Oh my gosh. And I am a huge fan of sourdough. I just I love, love, love sourdough. So. I'm right with I'm right there with you. I love sourdough too. It's my favorite. Oh my goodness. Okay, so you got it for a whole year. Yes. Oh my gosh, that is so fantastic. All right, little segue here. Let me, what's the first memory you can recall? Because we all, you know, it's usually around age four, five, occasionally three. There might just be a, a glimpse of something. What's the first one you can recall? Yeah, these are definitely glimpses for me. Um, one of the very first glimpses that I have is back in Tijuana, living in you know the house that I grew up in and watching a TV show with my grandmother. Um, the TV show is called Chespirito, which is a it's like a comedy. It's a kid friendly um, show that I remember watching with my grandmother on multiple occasions, and that's something that certain images come up from that when I was very young. That's so sweet. It's a very sweet first memory, right? Or one of your first memories. It's with your grandma. It's watching a kid's show. And I lo- I really like that. That's so lovely. That's so lovely. All right. Now we're moving to movies. I think you like movies. You may not like musicals, but I'm pretty sure you like m- movies. So one of your favorite movies of all time, because, you know, come on, how do you pick one? But tell us, tell us one of your favorite movies of all time. Totally. And I just watched this one recently. We also own it. I have many, as you mentioned, and it's hard to pinpoint one, but I, I think I resonate a lot with, with this one. Um, Hidden Figures. <gasps> yes. That is such a great movie. Yes. Yeah. On, on, on really, we could spend a whole podcast just talking <laughs> about that movie because it's so multi-layered why people like it. I mean, yes, it was well done. Yes, it was well acted. Yes, it was well written, adapted from an original story, all those things. But there's so much more to it. I really like that you chose that movie. That is, a, yeah, that 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 movie had a lot to say. And it said it in a way that was strong, but it didn't necessarily, I'm going to say for me anyway, a white female, it didn't hit me over the head. You know, it didn't clobber me with the message. I got the message loud and clear in a really beautiful, loving, fun, true way. And and I think, you know, you and I were talking in our pre-talk about how conversations are how we're going to change the world. That's how things will change. Conversing, not hitting people over the head with our views. Oh, that's That's such a good one. And of course, you know who's in it. Kevin Costner. Mm. Did you forget he was my little crush? <laughs> oh, yes, that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, of course, I really love that you picked that one. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay, so when you were growing up, who did you have a crush on? So, I was thinking about this yesterday, and I I think my earliest crushes was in a movie that I saw called Speed. I'm not sure if you've ever seen Speed. 
guess who was in that? Is that Keanu Reeves? Yes, Keanu Reeves. <laughs> was he the crush? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, he, I, yeah. I could totally, I could see having a crush on him for sure. <laughs> oh my gosh. And that's great. And you remember that. Oh, that's so fun. All right. Now we're going to kind of pivot a little bit into some more serious topics. Women, I believe, and I know struggle with their worth. I'm not saying men don't struggle, but I'm right now we're going to talk about women for a minute. What would you say to them when it comes to that struggle? Thank you. Um, yes. And I, I appreciate that you can, you can focus on women because there is definitely a different experience and, and we need to highlight that it, it's been, the struggle is real for women. And I think in particular for um, black and women of color. Mm-hmm. And so um there are what the first thing that I would say is that they're not alone in this. And it's sometimes easy to fall in the traps of comparing each other. Um, and that's kind of what we have learned um, in society. And so um, I think I would say that I try to redirect to resiliency. Mm. Uh, it's easy to forget the obstacles we've overcome and, and you know, for particular for women. Um, you know, the work inequality, the lack of respect, sexism, uh, racism, in particular for Black and women of color. I typically ask this question is, when was the last time you overcame a difficult obstacle or challenge? And how did you do it? And how did you feel? Right. So pulling from those experiences, because there have been, and a lot of times we are just easily dismiss them. And so it's, mm. I would say it's it's looking within and and pulling out those exceptions, pulling out those experiences where you did overcome, and then um, kind of thickening that. Mm. That is brilliant. That is so. First of all, it's not just spot on, and it's not just truthful. But I love how you're you build. Building from within, and you're pulling something from within that the woman and and helping her see you have done this before. Maybe you don't remember. Maybe it's not really resonating with you. But let's talk about it. Let's remember a time that you did it, and then how did you feel about? That success, even though maybe it was a mini success, and it doesn't matter. The size does not matter. And so then that word resiliency, you are like building on that and lifting it up. And I love how you said it it thickens it. What already is, you're taking taking it and thickening it, making it bigger, making it larger. Oh, my gosh. Okay, you need a show, you need a you need to write a book, you need a you need a, I don't know, a podcast, a YouTube channel. Uh, you just you have so much wisdom. You need it all. You need it all. Oh my gosh. Oh. I'm just my head is spinning in the best way possible. Oh my gosh, you are something else. Yeah, you're very kind. Oh my gosh, I just I say I love it a lot on the show. I just can't, I can't, I should probably should rename the show. I love that. I love that. I love that. But I do. And, and it, it just, 
I, I want women to really hear that and to really get that really and grab it and hang on for dear life and come back to it whenever they need to. Oh, that's so great. I do have to say though, Rochelle, that I owe it to the woman in my life that have Ooh. taught me that because this is not wisdom that I was born with. This is from myself going through some of that and the women in my life supporting me and teaching me and guiding me. So this is, this is a tribute to them because I would not be here where I am and, and, and the knowledge that I have, if it wasn't because of them. And so oh my I gosh. Just, now I want to cry. Oh my gosh. <sighs> Giving credit where credit is due and acknowledging that the different experiences you've had with the women in this case have really helped to mold and shape you into who you are to where you can see that you can be compassionate about that. You can be wise about that. Truly beautiful, truly beautiful. All right. We're going to, I don't even know how we move on from that because that's such a truth bomb. We just blew up the whole show right there. Okay. A piece of wisdom you keep handy. Because clearly you're a wise individual. What what's something that and and again this is like the movie thing. Like there's a lot of them, right? There's a lot of them. But just like one that you're thinking of that you'd like to share with us. Mm. This is one that I remind myself daily because it's it's been um, a way I think that I've tried to live my life. And I think I'm going to pose it as a question as it was posed to me, which is, are you happy because you're grateful or are you grateful because you're happy? Oh, my gosh. That's that's something that I think I really had to um, think about and really incorporate because in in particular moving here, um, as it was a very hard transition, and gratitude has been something that I have try to practice for a long time. And I think it was something that was really challenged on the move here because um, from the move came having to leave family behind and my profession and many things that I found to the core of who I am. And so gratitude was one of the things that really grounded me and gave me a sense of of, of worth and you know perception, um, and so it's something that I, you know, practice is just gratitude, and even if it's for the most, and I think it's even more important for the minimal things, the things that we take for granted, the fact that I can talk to you right now, the fact that I can, you know, have a, a roof, that I had a really good meal today, the fact that I had a really good conversation with a friend, that I have a job. Those are the things that mm-hmm. constantly remind me that I'm going to be okay and that I can be happy because I'm, I'm grateful. And so okay. I, I okay. So I almost feel like it's a chicken and an egg thing, but so do you, do you feel like the better course is gratefulness brings happiness? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. I got that from uh, David Stendhal Rast who, did a TED talk about it. And he kind of talked about, you know, in the communities that have very little, you find people that are happy and how can that be? And then you have communities that people have a lot and they aren't happy. So what's, what's the disconnect? 
And so I think he he talks about taking moments for reflection and gratitude, really bringing that sense of happiness. And if you think about, if you can think of something that you're grateful for, you know, it you I, I challenge you to think about what feelings come for you if you think of something that you're grateful for. And usually it's something warm, something that brings some sense of gratitude or happiness. Um, something positive when you think mm-hmm. of gratitude. And I think that's something that I, um, I I try to live by is by making sure that I can practice gratefulness. Well, that is practical and it's philosophical and it's psychological and emotional. And I know studies have shown all kinds of things about living in gratitude and that we could do a whole podcast just on that. Mm-hmm. That that it really, it even makes a difference in the, the quality of your sleep if you are grateful. Oh my gosh, that, totally. that, that is a good one. That is a really, really good one, Libni. Wow. I might title this, wow. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just so good. It's so good. It's time to take the deep dive. Now, Nobody to date, and we're just into our second year, which is really exciting. And I, I feel that I'm, I was, as we ha- had in our pre-talk, that you could feel and hear my excitement at this topic because I don't think we're starting to talk about it more, but we still need to talk about it more. Okay. We really need to talk about it. And that is mental health and the stigma that goes with it. And um, I know you work in this field. And so what, what can you tell us about some of your thoughts about um, mental health, uh, the stigma of it, and then I'll, I'll kind of flesh out some other stuff. I think my primary experience uh, has been trying to bring awareness to mental health because before you could even get to my office or to a therapist's office, it really does require some level of awareness of your own mental health and the way mental health is seen in your family and in in your community, um, in your groups of friends. And I think it's it's a process that people struggle with uh, because mental health has a really bad rap and it's something that People and I think we've seen it in in, in movies. We've seen it in in in, uh, in many different ways in society that mental health isn't something that is 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 good in the sense that we can acknowledge that we have it. That there's a relationship within ourselves with our mental health, and so that is a, a, the biggest barrier for people to getting to get a, access to mental health or to be in a place to want to get mental health uh, support. Okay, for, for starters, then there's the level of awareness, right? Yes. Because mm-hmm. you have to be aware within yourself that something mm-hmm. isn't quite right, something is, you know, whatever it might be, the, the issue, depression, anxiety, et cetera, et cetera, there's the awareness factor. And then the next level, maybe you would say, would be how do I – how are others going to see me? How am I going? How do I feel about going to get help? What will other people think of me? The whole the whole stigma piece, which 
I, I have no doubt prevents a lot of people from seeking the very thing that could be healing. Right. And what, and, and it's just, it isn't right. And it isn't fair. It's, it, it's upsetting. Mm -hmm. It's upsetting. And where do you, where, first of all, where do you think that stigma even originated from? Oh my gosh. I think it originated from its beginning of its existence in the way that people were treated in the way that um, people were pathologized when we first had the first diagnostic tool for mental health. It was very, uh, it would pretty much put people into categories that I think the term crazy, right? People who were, um, you know, not necessarily in a good place, people who uh, act out in certain ways. And then it, it, it kind of got more covert um, in that it, it's something that you don't really speak about. Most people who have mental health or have family members don't like talking about it because what does it mean for my family member or for myself to have, uh, you know, a, a mental illness, mm -hmm. right? And so it's, it's something that it, I feel like th throughout time, it has kind of shifted into different uh, ways of uh, continuing that stigma of mental health. What we and, know and don't you feel that a lot of it is ignorance on the part of, well, I'm going to say almost everybody who's not working in the field, right? In that field, there's ignorance, there's, there's fear. There's, I think even some people are like, uh Oh, I don't one, I don't know how to deal with what, it, how you manifest yourself right now. And, you know, so there's the not knowing how, and then the fear of, you know, can I, I mean, it's not like a cold. I mean, no one else is going to catch it, but I do still think there is that element of, you know, cowering away from what I don't know and um, just being concerned. Totally. Absolutely. I, I think media has done a really bad job at providing really false narratives about mental health is and depicting people who have particular mental health disorders to be uh, completely inaccurate. And mm -hmm. so the idea that somebody could uh, be diagnosed that or suffer in a way, uh, not suffer, but um, struggle with their mental health um, in silence because of being associated with those images or with those disorders um, prevents them from getting support or getting help. Right. Even talking to someone, which, you know, in therapy, everything is confidential, whether it's psychology, psychiatry, it's all confidential, but people right. still feel that once you acknowledge it, once you let it out, you know, it's something that, you know, it's going to somehow will be distributed or somebody's going to find out. Right, right, exactly. And do you find as people start coming to grips with one the awareness within themselves, something's not quite right with me. And I want to do something about that, that, that they hopefully come to terms more with destigmatizing it for themselves. Yes. I think it's a gentle process and I think Ooh. it takes a, a lot of self-reflection and really relearning what society has taught us about mental health mm -hmm. but it is a it is a and i think it this is why it's important for clinicians out there to be very aware of how important it is 
the rhythm of which you navigate those conversations with 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 clients with with people who 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 are very uncomfortable even being in the office because usually and you may hear this people who I've done therapy and it's just it was terrible I had an awful experience and and then they typically don't want to go back because of that experience and there's many 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 people who have said that mm-hmm. oh. oh and that that just makes it worse you know that makes it that much harder for them to go get some help yes oh my goodness Okay, so how do we how do we help break this? How do we, you know, back to conversations change the world? How do we start having more conversations about this? So I think it it as you said with the conversation, I when I talk about mental health, um I try to normalize it, right? I try to compare it to the medical model, which people don't have trouble saying. I went to see my doctor because I have a cold or I'm getting treatment because I have, you know, an infection, right? We don't stigmatize that. We don't, and we're so open about it too. Some people, I'm not saying yes, oh, some people yes. are more open about it than it is about mental health. So I myself, Risha, I see a therapist, I have been seeing a therapist for um, about two years mm-hmm. and um, I'm very happy. I, it's something that I, um, pride myself in sharing with people because that's part of what talks about the stigma, right? Is that I am as much as I can share with you that I went to my doctor earlier this year because of an injury, I can share with you that I'm I'm seeing my therapist because mm-hmm. we all need someone that we can talk to and we all need someone that we can uh, rely on for support in times that are difficult or just someone that we can check in. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it can be in many ways. And so having conversations, being open about it, um, and being curious. I think sometimes just being curious about what is your relationship with mental health, right? Um, what, how do you see it within yourself? Because as human beings, we all experience trauma. We all experience difficult challenges, um, some form of sadness, whether it's through grieving or through breakups. We all experience these um, uh, emotions and 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 so I think it's it's important to being curious about how you engage with that how do you see that affecting you um I think that's a good start for people who are you know don't know much or are worried about the stigma okay so I, I want to take it a step further so let's say you have a relationship with somebody and and you maybe notice that they're not themselves or they're manifesting certain behaviors that don't seem, um, gosh, I don't even know what to use, what word to use there without making it stigma, stigmatizing it. I don't know. What's a good word. Um, A little unhealthy, maybe could be a good, maybe a good word, a good way to put it. I mean, having a conversation then approaching somebody that it, this is obviously somebody you care about. This is not somebody, you know, on the street, um, sort of opening up the conversation. Would you suggest that? I mean, as a hundred percent. Okay. So, and, and there's a part of me that feels like I would want to say, Hey, I, I've, I just want you to know you're safe talking to me. To me, that would be like one of the very first things I would want to say is that 
you're safe to talk to me no matter what you say, no matter how you say it. I am a safe person. So, okay. So what else would I, what else would I say? So what I would ask them, is it like, how you, how are you doing? Is that, is that okay to say? Yes, absolutely. I think because everything is foundational, the relationship that you have with that person is so foundational, right? And I think you already have um, established that you are someone that they can trust. And so asking them, what is, you know, I've, I've noticed, um, you know, that you're looking sad, and I'm wondering what's going on. Um, What's, you know, I'm, I'm just curious, is something going on? And, uh, you know, and approaching it in a way that's not judgmental, also not necessarily going to advice giving, which I think sometimes as friends, we typically go into giving them advice and telling them what they should do or what they shouldn't do, but just being open and curious, um, because sometimes we know from having the different perspective that what they may be going through may be unhealthy, right? But it's at that point, that person just needs someone to talk to. Right. And as long as you can be there for that person um, in a non-judgmental way that they can approach you if things, you know, get more difficult. Um, and that I think would be the biggest thing you can do for someone is just making sure that you also direct them to someone that can help them if it's something that is more, um, you know, I, I think I've had several students in the line of work that I uh, am in at the college where they become like the primary caregiver of the student or become other friends, like their, like their main support system, which then um, can also, uh, one, could definitely change the dynamic of the friendship, uh, but two, does not provide them with the resource that maybe could provide them more support that's um, more adequate or uh, that the person knows how to navigate. And I think making sure that you know your boundaries, you keep boundaries with that friend, um, but always making sure that you're there for them. And also it's not about like, oh, you need to see a therapist because I think I hear that a lot too. And I think that's also not necessarily helpful. If you just- Okay, so how would, how would I, as this person having a conversation with the other person, help and navigate them toward help? Would it be not necessarily the first conversation? Because I don't, I'm not trying to come in and solve it. And yet I, I see that they could be helped by X, Y, or Z and not necessarily specific terms because I'm not a therapist. I can't say right. you need this, you need that. And that's, to me, that's not appropriate. So how do I, how do I take that step? So this reminds me of the work that I used to do in domestic violence when, when speaking with women. And I would ask them, um, have you shared this with anybody else? Oh, that's good. Right. So asking them what you can have covertly asking them what other resources they have tapped. Okay, right? good. And, so, and I, I like the idea of asking questions as opposed to, you know, telling them what to do. I think questions can kind of really help draw out, you know, what's going on with them and for and and how you might be able to come alongside in a small little way that could possibly make a big difference. We we would hope. Exactly, exactly. It's that curiosity aspect that I was referring to before is coming from an approach of curiosity, not coming up with assumptions or coming up with a plan on how you're going to help them, but just 
kind of navigating it gently yes. with them. So that way they feel like they're supported and you're seem, you, you seem interested in helping them and oh wanting to gosh. be there for them. This is so good. I love the, the gentle, that, that whole uh, word picture that, that comes to my mind in, in, in having these conversations and then also curious, you know, asking questions and, and, uh, and I, I'm imagining too, the, the being there, letting somebody be seen and heard wherever they are. And, and like you say, not being judgmental or value driven about that, but just, just letting it, letting them be wherever, wherever that is in that moment. Oh my gosh, this is so good. And this also reminds me of something that Brene Brown said. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Brene yes, Brown. Yes, love her. <laughs> but she says, and I think this is something that I, I hear from, from students that I work with, that they'll tell me that they, they, they were told by a friend something difficult and they didn't know what to say. And I often refer to them to that statement from Brene Brown that she says, you know, I... You know, I, I have no words, but I appreciate that you told me. Oh. Right. And just sitting with that. So that way they know that it's not necessarily that you're looking for advice. I don't know what to tell you, but I can be here with you and we can be here together and that you don't have to suffer alone. Oh, that is, I have not heard that quote. That is fabulous. That, that is, that's, you know. I use the word, I'm going to use the word perfect, but it really is. It's perfect because it's acknowledging, it's affirming, and it's not judging or, you know, any of that. It's saying, I see you, I hear you. I don't know exactly how to respond to you right now. I don't have the words, but I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I hear you. Gosh, that is just so good. And it's so good. In this most bare form, it's connection. I think, yeah. which is what yes. a lot of just need is that connection. Yes. Now I want to kind of wrap up this topic by um, the hope that comes from working not just through, but getting the support one needs with mental health, getting that proper support. I wanted, uh, you talked about that. Th- this can be lived with what what hope is there give give us some hope yes absolutely there is there's hope um there's resiliency that this is not something that we that we have to feel like is in control of our lives but rather we have control over it and I think that's, um, it's a journey. And I, I'm not going to say it's it's easy because it's not easy. But I think, as you said, in, in, there's a lot of strength in support in the community that you're in, whether it's through friends, family, through religious organizations. Um, and it's, there is absolutely uh, ways of, of coping and living a fulfilling life. I mentioned this to you yesterday when we spoke, uh, one of our faculty members, a dear friend who wanted to be that hope to students who feel like, you know, I, what's the point of finishing the school? What's the point of trying to have a career if it's something that I will always live with? And she, you know, she talked about her struggles with mental illness and 
she was able to go to graduate school and become a professor and be able to give this talk to her students and say, not just say, but be vulnerable with them and say, this is something that you can absolutely thrive in. It is a lot of work, but it's definitely something you can live with and thrive and be happy. And it's it's not something that you have to feel is going to keep you in a cage or it's going to always be um, more than you're right. I feel like there's something that um, in postmodernists, we try to um, separate that uh, instead of saying, for example, schizophrenic or um, uh, autistic, we say a person with, a person with, because you're a person first before you are the disorder. Oh, and so, gosh, that's so good. So that there's absolutely hope um, oh, and God. definitely um, connect with your community. If you're not ready for therapy, that's also okay. Find people that you can connect with, find people that you can feel comfortable. And, you know, I really do encourage people to be curious about their mental health and how they navigate through it themselves um, and know that there's resources available right. now with telehealth being uh, available because of the pandemic. It's absolutely more accessible. Right. Libni, oh my goodness. You have, I mean, I have one, I haven't seen you in a few years <laughs> and you have, you were already terrific and amazing then, but you have really grown into um, be even more compassionate, even more knowledgeable, even more beautiful of a human being and you you have taken this passion that you have for the other and you have really um made it your profession to speak life into people who need life spoken into them and i love all the different things you said and the way you said them and i am going to enjoy going back through this and listening and being a sponge and trying to absorb some more of it. And I can't wait to get it out there because yes, conversations will change the world. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. I miss you so much. And I'm so grateful for this time. Thank you for carving out this time. And please say hi to Will for me, and we will be in touch very soon. Sounds great. Miss you too. I hope to see you when I'm down in San Diego. Please, please. There will be no excuses that will be acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Libni. Talk to you later. Thank see you, you later. so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Ciao. We agree that conversations change the world, so it's time, high time, past time, we started talking, asking questions, coming alongside others that need to be seen and heard. Really, isn't that all of us? In this context, we are advocating for those who are struggling with mental health issues. I think it's safe to say we all know someone who has struggled in this area. It might even be you or me. And if so, it's more than okay to say so and to talk about it. Let's be the love we all need. It can start with a simple question. How are you? 
and take it from there. The Unabashed You website has photos, quotes, and a blog for each episode. Each episode's audio is embedded on its own page at unabashedyou.com. We are also on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, and Verbal, V-U-R-B-L. You are invited to subscribe, rate, and review. Our social media accounts on Instagram at unabashedyou. Facebook account is Rochelle Renee, R-E-C-H-E-L-L-E-R-E-N-A-E with the page unabashedyou. Twitter at Rochelle Renee. If you have questions or comments, feel free to email us at unabashedyou at gmail.com. We rely on website visits, social media, and word of mouth to share these episodes. We are thankful for growth. Knowing these conversations help you think, celebrate who you are, and move you in some way. So continue to listen, read, and be inspired. And now our blessing. No more stigma. I might need help. Will you be okay with that? Will you support and encourage me? Today it's me. Tomorrow it could be you. To be well, I need to talk. To be well, I need to be seen and heard. Will you listen? Will you understand? I can only hope, and I can barely do that. Right now, what I carry is too much. Guide me to the people and places where I can heal, for I am not alone. Amen. Go have a conversation and change the world. Be unabashed. Be you.